Welcome to the next edition of the Career Conversations podcast, brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group. My name is Craig McGregor, and today I have a really fantastic conversation with a truly inspirational woman, Geraldine Moran. I've known Geraldine for some time, and to hear her life story through her career is is just amazing. Uh, some of the personal things that she's been through and the, the glass half full attitude that she has about life and how she's taken that and and created a business truly based on her passion of supporting the community. That organisation is the Centre for Hope and she does focus a lot on that in today's conversation but it's so worthwhile so please sit back and enjoy our conversation with Geraldine Moran. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hunter Recruitment Group, specialists in permanent recruitment, labour hire and HR consulting. Start a conversation with us today via our website hrgroup.com.au or at our socials, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Okay, so welcome to the Career Conversations podcast, Geraldine Moran. Thank you, Craig. How are you? Yeah, well, thank you. So we're in the Centre for Hope here in Window. Yes, why don't we start here? Why don't you tell me about this centre and how it became um, what it is today? Okay. Um, look, I'm a little bit crazy and Craig knows me, so he can <laughs> he can testify to that. Oh, um, crazy? Yeah, just mad. But mad means making a difference. Crazy is just slightly other, but mad is making a difference. And I think through the different aspects of my career life, I've wanted to, to bring about change and make a difference. And, and I really haven't been able to do it until Centre for Hope. And basically it was set up to support young people who are disadvantaged. And it may not be um, an economic disadvantage, it may be an emotional or a physical or a spiritual. It may just be disadvantage comes from any aspect that they don't cope with. Um, and so I'd gone back and done coaching and I thought coaching is a great vehicle to empower someone. And from that, we developed a coaching um, course for young people, but we also introduced mentoring so that not only could they chart their own course, they could be supported in that course with great local um, people who also had a, a willingness to support young people. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's here in Windale, which is... I suppose, historically been known as the Housing Commission Centre of Lake Macquarie, I suppose. Well, it's actually more than that. It's been known as the worst postcode in Australia. Wow, there you go. There was a study um, 15 years ago done by Professor Tony Vincent at Sydney Uni, and, and he actually went by postcode. Windale has a standalone postcode, so it doesn't... Like Charlestown 2290 has Dudley, Redhead. Yeah, okay. They're all under that postcode, whereas Windale is a standalone suburb. So... Um, yes, it is a low socioeconomic suburb, but if you only um, look at disadvantage on that basis and what stems from that, then possibly it is a very difficult place to be. But yeah. the humanity of the place is probably greater than, than 2290 in terms of the people in it and what they achieve with not much. So why Windale? Windale because we saw a need. We were invited in about four or five years ago um, children as young as six were chroming. So what that means, they were inhaling aerosols. And as young were, as six. As wow. young as six. They were being taught by um, other older kids, yep. but it became a bit rampant for a while. The parents were worried, the school were worried, and when we found out, we thought, mm, we don't know what we're going to do, but can we help? 
So we lowered our age at that stage. We were 12 to 16. We lowered our age to six so that we could write a program specifically for these young people. So when you say write a program, t- tell me what a program is. So a program will entail what we what would you do as coaching. So we write a program around the models of circles of community. So with our Aboriginal First Nation people, they, you know, we might say they don't always get it right now. But historically and traditionally, they've held the land and they've looked after each other for, what What are we up to, 75,000 plus years now? Yeah. Um, and counting. So what could they teach us? They teach us about the importance of community. And one of those things is the circles of community. So on the inside, you have the person that you're looking after. Around them would be their parents, immediate family. Around them would be the aunts and uncles supporting that family, that person in that family unit. Around them are then the rest of the community. And then around all of that is the warrior, the people that actually support that entire community to be safe. So we developed our model of coaching on that. So on the centre is your true self and on the outside is your self-worth because if you haven't got a strong self-worth, you can't protect your true self and your true nature and what you want to be. And in between that is your vision and mission and emotions that can undo you or that can make you succeed. And then you've also got what your goal setting is. So for coaches, you know... Craig, you've been around enough Mm, coaches in your life to know we say goals, goals. Um, That's what we want for the Australian team, by the way, in the (laughs) World Cup. But but the other thing is goal setting is really important. And for young people who believe they're worthless, you know, one of the things that we hear, and I say this but it's true, one of our young people says or has said and now is changing their thinking, I'm shit, I come from a shit suburb. Yeah. So if you're told you're the worst postcode in Australia, it's now moved to number six, but that study is still being conducted every three to four years. Windale's in the top ten. So this is... You're talking about identity, aren't you? That yeah. Someone resonates or they think about their identity based on where they live. Mm-hmm. It's similar to career. Like I always talk to people about your job and how that forms a part of your identity. So you're trying to work with those people or kids particularly in this region to try and make them feel or try and elevate them through some coaching and some programs to try and not only lift themselves but like you've done you even see it's a small shift from the bottom to the sixth that's still a positive change and that's it and it's celebrating that positive change because when you're in that bottom of the rung type men like thinking and it's reinforced through media or whatever other avenues it's reinforced then it's really hard to get up to the next rung of the ladder and and so empowering a young person to have strategies to move beyond their perception to move beyond other people's perception of their limitation is really empowering and we were working before we came to Windale. We work across the Hunter, across Newcastle, Lake Macquarie and we're down in Sydney at Marrickville High. Yeah, so okay. we have in-school programs and we also have, and we're in Port Stephens now as well. Excellent. So, you know, we're growing, we think locally but we act, you know, no, we act act in a local way but we think actually globally. think globally and yeah. I know I just got my metaphors mixed <laughs> but the the reality is each place is different but with a global view you can create anything in any space yep. and so that's what we're trying to support whatever community whether it's a school community whether it's a, a local community whether it's a family we're trying to support that community to grow and to learn and to see it's okay to make mistakes yep. but what do I do when I've made a mistake so you can take a program that you've developed here in Windale and go and replicate that in Port Stephens with some small tweaking 
around that geography. That's exactly right, Craig. And in fact, that's what we're doing at the minute. We're setting up another drop at Tanilba Bay, so Tilligree so Peninsula. You say drop, what do you mean? So the drop is a drop-in centre for youth. Thank yep. you for correcting me on that's having okay. too much knowledge and not imparting <laughs> it sufficiently. Um, so the drop is a space that's safe for young people to come in. We work Monday to Friday after school, yep. and and they get to do things like. Wheels for Hope, which is reconditioning bikes. There's a homework centre Monday, Tuesday. So where the, with the bikes, do they have access to the bikes or yep, do they so sell the bikes? How does that work? Well, they can do whatever they like. They could sell the bike. Once they've reconditioned a bike, it's theirs. So yeah, it's okay. their choice whether they want to gift it to one of their siblings, yep. whether they want to give it to... We've had some young people wanted to give it to um, preschools. Yeah, okay. So we had smaller bikes, so they reconditioned the bikes and we donated a whole pile to preschools. Yeah. So it's what they want to do. The step that we're taking at Port Stephens with the drop is a similar thing. We're only working, though, at this stage Tuesday and Friday afternoon. But we just got some money from the Newcastle Perm Charitable Foundation and that will enable us to have a bike program where older young people are reconditioning the bikes, but then we're having a bike hiring in that area so that they can hire bikes to tourists, to individuals yeah, okay. and create a, a sustainable pathway where they're learning about business so they start it from the ground up and at the end of the day they know how to recondition a bike but they've also learnt some business skills. That's great. So you mentioned the Charitable Foundation. How does the Centre for Hope fund these programs? So it's through so we do it through private donation. We are funded through Prime Minister and Cabinet to work under the Indigenous Advancement Strategy in the Windale area. Yeah. Um, and then we have other grants from state government. We've had small grants from FACS. Um, FRRR is another organisation that works with disadvantaged young people in remote areas. Yeah. Um, so it's always on the grant writing trail. I was going to say, is that a full-time job for Geraldine? It's not a full-time job for me now. Luckily, we <laughs> found a volunteer Great. who was also mad, um, and she's a PhD in social science. So she's now volunteering to write grants for us. So her first successful grant is the PERM. Um, and we're very grateful to Dr. Sandra Reeves. I'll give her yeah, a shout out. Part. It's, you know, it's once people know what we're doing and they're passionate in that vicinity, as you know from all the community work you do, Craig, it's bringing like minded people together and you create change. Yeah, very good. So Tell me about why Geraldine does this in particular. So why do I do it? Look, in my early life, I was very fortunate. I grew up in a you know stable family setting. Um, not much happened that deviated me from being you know intelligent, getting you know good results at the HSC, all that sort of stuff. So I had a very cruisy ride. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I went into doing something that I thought was really important, and that was working in government. So at the time, I thought that was a way I could bring about change. And yes, it, it is. You know, for those people that do that, it's a way that you bring about change. So part of the government? So I worked in um, federal attorney generals, yeah, and okay. then I went to ICAC and worked um, there for a number of years, and then went back into private legal practice. Yep. And I really, like, it wasn't for me at one point. So um, why wasn't it? Why wasn't it for me? Look, 
it still wasn't giving me what I needed. Like I was a good lawyer, I could do the work, but it didn't drive me. And I, you know, probably became more disinterested. And then partly why I left, a client came and saw me on the Friday. And then I got a call from a colleague on Monday to say, oh, do you know so-and-so? I said, yep, saw them last week. Anything I can do? No, your card was found in their belongings. They killed themselves on the weekend. Yeah, okay. So for me, that was a turning point because I thought I probably was one of the last people to see this person. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't recognise any signs. I still see that person's face. I still see the gentleness and the quietness of that individual. So then it set me on a course, well, what could I have done differently? Yeah, And so I went back and studied a bit of counselling because I thought, what are the signs? What could I do to to support someone in that setting? Um, And and it also allayed a bit of my guilt because there was nothing I could have done in hindsight. Yep. Um, But what could we do then moving forward so I went back and studied psychology then so I left law Um, I did insurance investigation so that put me through um, further study through the psychology course yeah and and I really enjoyed psychology you know it created a space where I could understand partly how the brain worked how we're affected by things and I you know it really that was where I was passionate and in the meantime I got married and found out that I had cancer so I'm 17 years now from um, having had um, cancer and then a couple of Wow. So you, so help me out there. So you, you you'd finished your degree. I'd finished. Well, I was part way through my degree partway when through. I got married, and and then diagnosed literally out. two weeks before I got married. Wow. Um, I was diagnosed with cancer, so uterine cancer. So it turned the world yeah, upside, upside down. down. Yep. And it was good though. I'd done a lot of psychology study, so I could see that even within that space, there's a purpose for those things that happen. Yep. So once that's I, a really positive way of looking at something so negative. But it takes a long time to do that, Craig. Yeah. It's not necessarily... Some people can do it automatically, but for most of it, that 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 experience can actually undo us. Yeah, I was going to say, there's there's a couple of different ways that your life and career path goes with that news, but you've taken it in a much positive way, so... Yeah, and, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate. You know, I'm grateful for my life because it's given me the option to learn those some of those hard yards but it's also given me an opportunity to be successful and to then start something like Centre for Hope to support others who may not have the strategies or the life skills so when I was it was actually my husband was getting ready to sell his business and um, he was looking at what he wanted to do and he wanted to do share trading so I went along to one of those upsell sort of things where there's like 10 people in a day and you're just sitting there going rah yeah rah yeah yeah going up to the back of the room and buy that product yep and so there was some share traders on in that session so we went along for him but there was a life coach that spoke and so I signed up to do life coaching yeah um it it seemed to make sense with the psychology study it seemed to work really well to try and push a person forward after something's gone wrong or push through what's not working and make life you know make the life you want not something that's dictated to you so I studied um, life coaching and then I also met um, another mentor Dr John Demartini who looks at a very particular method his is a breakthrough experience but it's about challenging yourself and working through those sticky situations that occur in life and really real really acknowledging the the I'll say divinity but really acknowledging the 
it's just a perfect moment in time that something happens to you. Yeah, okay. And at the same time, you're supported and you're challenged by that event. Yep. And if you look at it like that, there's a synchronicity in whatever we do. Mm, okay. So that's at a very deep level and I'm yeah. really grateful to both Paul Blackburn and Dr John Martini that have been mentors and have really walked me through some of those challenges that I've, I've had where I can speak about them now and it sounds like you've really got your shit together. Well, yep. yeah, it might sound... Oh, sorry, I just swore. That's it okay. might sound like that now, but it takes effort. Yeah. You know, we all know that and sometimes that effort seems, in, you know, insurmountable. So, well, I think the, one of the words you used there before was success and I found that interesting. You were talking about success and then you talked about share trading and those sorts of things. And look, most people in Western society would equate success with money, mm. but that's not the case. And that's no. clearly not the case in why what you're doing. So, yeah, just tell us a little bit more about the, the why again. So the passion that you have for, for where you've gone to now. Yeah, I suppose the passion is because I am successful and I don't need, you know, I really don't need to be driven by money anymore. Yep. And that sounds... But it's true. Yep. Like we need to make the organisation sustainable, but I don't need to work to get an income personally. So I volunteer my role as a CEO to get the organisation up and running because most small organisations wouldn't survive. But again, that's what a, what a um, sacrifice in well, some people's eyes that would be. That you could, yep, you don't have to have an income to say to survive, but if you had more of an income, you could do... Some other yeah. things in your life. That's it. Well, no, you're choosing to get success out of others. Yeah, and it's give others success. You know, so what we do is empowering someone else. Why do I love it? What's the why for mm. me? If I go back to when I had cancer, unbeknownst to me, 17 years ago, we were driving along nearby to Windale yep. and there was a little girl getting kicked. So she was a toddler. She got kicked, picked herself back up and then was getting kicked again by the, the person she was with. My husband wouldn't stop the car. He just kept driving. He said, you can't do anything. And I would have got myself into trouble. I would have... Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So so at that point, that was life-changing for me because if I'd gone and done something, I may have been charged with assault or yep. whatever it was. But we kept moving, but I never stopped asking, how could I help that little girl? Yeah. So the passion or the inspiration for me is still that little girl on the street corner yep. because at some point we may have worked with her in that synchronicity of life, we've ended up in Windale. Not, never my intention 17 years ago, um, but I'm really grateful because what Windale teaches us is the power of community. It teaches me to keep moving beyond someone will give you a brick bat and say you're an idiot and someone else will give you a bouquet and say you're citizen of the year. Mm. But it's both of those things that drive you and it's both of, both of those things that create success for you, for me now as CEO of an organisation that's growing but it's most important for the work that we do because if we're successful as an organisation then how empowering is that for the young people that we're saying we'll do this and and you know these things might happen yep um so and we don't always get it right that's about making mistakes it's about shifting what you need to do but the why for me is that little girl on the corner what if no one gave yeah. a, a toss about her and no one ever and she representing a young person who may be in a difficult situation and can't for whatever reason there's a power imbalance and they can't do anything about it 
What if we shift that power imbalance so that you empower a young person to understand that they are not just that, they're not just someone that gets kicked. In fact, the essence of them is someone who is set to, set to succeed. Mm. We all have it. We all have that essence that drives us. We've just got to tap into it. But it's also, you know, your husband was right and you were right. Stopping may not have been the right thing to do. Mm. But in reality, and like you said, she may have come through the program, but you're, you're helping out the next six-year-old girl mm-hmm. by putting together the programs that you're doing now. So, yeah. in effect, you actually are helping her and helping the wider community. So, that's a great story to tell in terms of how this started. So, And it's so, the reality. You yeah. know, if we go back to my client, that's one of the stepping stones. Yep. My cancer's the second and that little girl's the third. Yep. And then at the time we were setting up Centre for Hope, um, one of our friend's sons killed themselves oh. out of the blue. So... So there's also, he had the world at his feet. Yep. So what happens when someone chooses to do that? Mm. So giving skills may just support someone to walk, walk through that pathway and make a different decision. How long? How long has Centre for Hope been operating? It's been operating, operating since 2011 um, and we're... Growing, so we're growing in areas, we're growing in capability, and and we're growing in acceptance of ourselves. You know, it's great to be humble. We're in a great space. <laughs> There's lots of people doing wonderful work with young people, but we also do it slightly differently. And and last week we gave a presentation at the University of Newcastle had a, a symposium into restorative justice, and Newcastle is a restorative city. And, and so we presented on Windale. Um, we followed on from police and, and Lake Macquarie Council and they spoke about Hamilton South and, and Charlestown respectively and it felt a bit like David and Goliath. But after speaking and showing the... We'd done a small um, study of about eight to ten people in this area about what Centre for Hope does for them, what could we do and what could we do to improve. And nothing came back with improvement. It was all... It's really hard, but it was gratitude for what we do. But the thing in that is a lot of the larger organisations have forgotten that. just want to take a quick break from this uh, emotional and fantastic conversation and let Geraldine compose herself quickly to, to just talk about our sponsor, Hunter Recruitment Group. Hunter Recruitment Group was started over 10 years ago to, to service the recruitment and HR space in a, in a more personal manner. And we really do that. We achieve that through getting to know our candidates more effectively through elite interview techniques and by understanding our customers or our clients that are looking for placements. If you're looking for a new role or if you're looking for a new person in your business, please start a conversation with Hunter Recruitment Group today. And now back to our conversation with Geraldine Moran. Okay, so... That's a really good example of um, showcasing what a little organisation can do for a community. Tell me your favourite. What's your favourite outcome? What's the one person that you've gone, wow, we changed their lives? Mm, Look, it's... We actually have changed the lives of so many young people. But there's one standout because I followed this young person from year eight. He graduated last year at year 12 and he's studying youth work 
So if we go to the start of when I met him, it was in Marrickville, so we're talking Sydney. Yep. And the first two sessions of us being in Marrickville were from different ones in the group, and there's a group of about 15. Um, why don't you fuck off back to Newcastle? Yep, okay. And if we didn't hear it, it <coughs> yep. got louder. And so we just kept tap dancing. I, I took Garth Russell down with me yeah, okay. um, one week and they basically told Garth as he was presenting his character Todd to F off back to Newcastle as well. <laughs> yep. Um, so then we took our... Um, how can anyone be mean to Todd? I know. How can anyone be mean to Todd? <laughs> but even worse, they were mean to a Paralympian. So we took our oh. then um, ambassador, Christy Dawes, along our patron, and so they told her to F off back to Newcastle as well yep. when she was telling her story of how she became a paraplegic. So they were a tough mob, but it's about trust. It's about a whole range of things. So well, do you think, if you, if you reflect on what you've done in Windale... Have you built up that trust in Windale over a long period of time and now you're trying to do that in a really tough area in Marrickville? Yeah, it's it's a similar thing. They both parallel. It is yep. about trust. It's trust no matter where you are. The flip side to that young person, and I use it what stands out, Windale stands out as a community and we're continuing to support that community. Yep. But if we look at one individual achieving, in year eight they wanted him to leave the school. By year 12 they were still asking him to leave the school. He spent he gave the valedictorian speech at the end. He thanked every teacher, even the ones that had asked yeah. him to leave or tried to get him to leave, and he spoke about acceptance and difference and, and working together. So what, what was it? What was the trigger to turn him around? Um, I think the trigger was he didn't realise that every week I travelled between Newcastle and Marrickville to work with these guys, even though initially they'd told us to F off. Mm. They didn't know where Newcastle was. We brought them up for an excursion, and so we brought a... I think it was about 15 of them came up for an excursion, and they thought we were taking them to Brisbane because they suddenly saw signs to <laughs> Brisbane on the highway. Freeway. They'd never left Marrickville. Yep. They wrote, three of those boys in Year 11 at the time wrote about um, a holiday. They said, could we use the day to Newcastle because we've never been on a holiday? Mm. So that day trip to Newcastle was effectively a holiday. Yep. We got back late. We took them for pizza at Merriweather Beach. You know, they was due back at 7 o'clock. We got them back at 10 o'clock. Um, but the other beautiful part about that, the reason that we managed to get them to have an excursion because they wouldn't let this team go on an excursion was Michelle Davis, who, you know, a lot oh, of people dear. know. Um, she was... She's from Maitland. She's from Maitland and, and she was cleaning out some things. For those of you that don't know, her two sons were killed in a motor vehicle accident about 10 years ago, I think, now. Yeah, very tragic story. Tragic story, but Michelle again has stepped up from that and she was clearing up some things and it was a 50th year and she was doing her 50 things on a bucket list. Yeah, okay. And one of those things was she was learning guitar but she wanted to give one of her son's guitar to someone who would use it. Yep. So she phoned us because she knew of the work that we did and um, asked, is there someone? And I could think of a lot of people locally, but I thought of one of the young people um, in Sydney. And so I said, would you mind if it went to Marrickville? She said, I can't get down there. Can you come up here? So that gave us the opportunity to get the kids in a, an escape day. Yep. But it worked out perfectly. And and there was not a dry in the place. Michelle stands about, I think, four foot she's nothing. Not she's not very, very tall Yeah. She's challenged vertically. <laughs> she might be five foot, but she's not very tall. And we, the person that she gave it 
to was an islander, so he was about six foot plus. <laughs> and so there's great photos of, of her handing the guitar over. And then she'd also had on a bucket list that she wanted to learn to skateboard. One of the things that we'd done for that day is that we'd got skateboards to give the kids and they were doing a skateboard workshop to learn how to recondition a skateboard and look after it. But then they got to keep a brand new board. So we gave her one with eagles on it that yep. she could then learn to skate. So the beautiful segue in that... It was in, and ironically it's in this area, we came up to the Windale area for them to to meet up with Michelle. So, you know, we want people to be empowered and including, we talk about Windale a lot, but if we don't talk about it in positive light, someone else is going to talk about it in a negative way. So instead of it being almost viewed as the, the arse end of the world... Let's make it a space where something really powerful is coming from it. Yeah, and look, we, I've shared with you my family's from here. My grandmother was here for over 50 years. My mum went to Windale and went to, well, she tells people that she goes to the Hunter Sports High, but it was Gateshead High back then. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a great place for families to, to grow to be a part of so that's it yeah yeah. and and you know and in that our work back to the why it's getting more people to understand that getting more people to accept oh i can go to the bakery here and it's not going to poison me yeah or um it's also seeing that these people are human as well and they're just the same as you or i and they've got the same hopes dreams but sometimes the challenges overrule those dreams so creating that that self-worth in an individual gets them through those dreams. And it doesn't mean it's easy. There's some days I want to say I've had enough of this. I do say I've had enough of this, but yep. I get back up the next day and go, okay, so what have I got to do today? Yeah, okay. Because, you know, sometimes you, you're worried about finances, you're worried about some young people that might be struggling, you you know, you're concerned about the organisation or you're, getting, you're copying flack from, you know, someone else that's supposed to be supporting young people. And, but at the end of the day, if I give up, then yeah, what it's not there? just me that fails. Yep. So I have a responsibility now. I've created a machine that needs me to be here a bit longer to keep driving that machine. Okay. I'm not going to be here forever, I know that. So yep. what are the succession plans? It's looking at great people to see what we do and in, and in be part of it. But it's also, we've just put in a, a challenge through Bill Gates Foundation to look at you know, getting some seed funding to test our metal internationally. So yeah, we won't wow. hear until towards the end of this year. But if we didn't try, we wouldn't know. Yeah. And and maybe someone in that committee thinks, well, it might not get up here, but we want to use that. So, so when I say we act locally, but mm. we think globally, we know that our program could be used in Kenya in fact I'm coaching a young man in a refugee camp in Kenya and he's starting to make great inroads he wants to have a film production company you know there's opportunities where people are supported it takes one hand of friendship across the airways for him to think he's not stupid and the dream that he's had and he's been struggling to try and keep moving has got more momentum he's been invited to a conference in Manchester um, this November and they'll pay for his airfares for him to go and speak about what he's trying to do in a refugee camp in Kenya. That's amazing. So Great it doesn't stuff. matter where you are. Yeah. And look, technology today I know. just changes. We're sitting here doing a podcast in Windale that mm. hopefully someone in Kenya may hear. That's it. Who knows? Mm. So, all right, we have this thing called the Career Conversations Time Machine. Okay. So we're going to put you in the time machine mm-hmm. and rewind the clock to 20-year-old Geraldine. Yep. Given what you know now, mm-hmm. what you've done, 
what advice would you give her? Look, I've, the advice I'd give her is don't be frightened. You, you know, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're beautiful in your own way. Get out there and kick ass. Do something powerful. Yep. No, excellent. Don't hold back. Mm, exactly. All right. So you told us a little bit about the why and what's next, but what is next for Geraldine? What's next? Um, I think it is growing the organisation to be sustainable without grant, without donation. All of that is gratefully received. Yep. But we need to be sustainable. We need to think corporately in a, in a, in a socially responsible way. So um, you're talking about social enterprise. So social enterprise. Um, we've developed a... Based on what the young people have told us, we've developed a leadership velocity program. Now, this program is... For those people, as a CEO, I've just said some days I have a bad day, and but I've got to get back up and keep going. Um, we've developed it for young people in mind, but we've taken it a step further so that corporate people can benefit from what we've learnt from the young people. Yeah, okay. Because the young people will truly tell us when they're having a shit day. Mm. Whereas if you're the CEO of an organisation, you can't communicate with your team because it could be viewed as weakness if you say, oh, I'm really not coping at the minute. What does that do to the rest of the team? But where do you go to in that capacity? Our new chair, um, Chad Stead, is an accountant. He's had colleagues kill themselves. As a lawyer, I had colleagues kill myself. One just recently that I knew from when I practised committed suicide. How do we support someone in that leadership role to know they're okay, to know they can get through whatever that that nexus of pressure is to come out the other side and be okay. So yeah. leadership velocity is about empowerment again, but at a corporate level, at a level where if you're the principal of a school and that school is struggling, you need to know that you're okay and that you have a go-to team or you've got mm. um, the opportunity to know that the skills you have underneath you will shore you up no matter what. So it's a day program with um, three months coaching afterwards. So what it does is it creates the space for you to implement some different thinking and strategies, but then have three months to check in with someone to check that you're on course. Yeah. So, okay. But that sustainability, we can see that. Um, and we've got support from, you know, leading business people like Duncan Burke and yep. others that have seen the program and want to invest in it in a way to support us get it out there. Yeah. So it's really, I'm, as you're saying these stories, I'm thinking about your brand and the Centre for Hope. And, you know, when you first think about it, Centre for Hope for young people, but the reality is that can resonate to, yeah, like you said, the lawyer, the mm. CEO of a corporation, a principal of a school, uh, whatever leader that is. So, yeah, no, that, that would really transfer into the general marketplace. So, okay, good luck with that. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. But, yeah, but if we stay as a charity, we'll always be a charity. Be a charity. But we'll always have a charitable heart yep. and a focus, but we need to be sustainable so that we can do more work. Yeah, okay. Right. So that's well, my lesson in where we're going. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Geraldine. I hope you enjoyed being on our podcast. I did. Thanks, Craig. It was lots of fun. I got to swear. I got <laughs> to, um, yeah, tell a few stories and, and hopefully it's helpful to someone. Excellent. Thanks, Geraldine. Thank you. A big thank you to our guest today, Geraldine Moran, CEO of the Centre for Hope. Um, her openness and her passion for the business shone through in that conversation. If you'd like to find out more about the Centre for Hope, please check out their website, which is www.centreforhope.com.
www.thinkbigfootsports.com. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations, please subscribe on iTunes, Career Conversations Podcast, or you can find us on SourCloud or at our website, www.hrgroup.com.au. I'm Craig McGregor, and thanks for listening.